All right. Welcome to Blackhawk Church. My name is Chris, one of the pastors on the teaching team here at Blackhawk Church. Welcome to all of you who are watching online, all of you at Blackhawk uh, downtown, Blackhawk Fitchburg, those of you who are just all over the country and actually all over the world. So welcome uh, to you, all of you who are in this uh, venue with me right now. Those of you who are at Gospel Fusion and Traditions, welcome to everyone. Our Chinese uh, speakers, Di Zhong Zimei Ping An, and to our sp Spanish speakers, Bienvenidos a Blackhawk. So uh, welcome. Man, I love this time of year, at least when it doesn't snow in April. So I love this time of year because it's the time of year when I get my bikes uh, out, and I love uh, to ride my bikes. Unlike Pastor Matt, who loves to ride a stationary bike in his uh, dungy basement, I like to get outside and enjoy God's uh, fresh creation. There's a, these are two uh, bikes that I ride. I have a road bike. It's a killer bike. And then I have an e-bike. And oh my gosh, do I have fun on those bikes. When I want a serious exercise, I get on uh, my road bike. And then, and no, I didn't ride all the way down to Florida. We took that in the car uh, down there. Uh, but this is in Madison. And so, you know, I just kind of tool around Madison. If you've never ridden an e-bike, whoo, you're missing it. It's so much uh, fun. We got an e-bike, uh, my wife and I, several years ago, and it's just a lot of fun. So uh, this city, man, is just the best place uh, for bikes. But this state is also incredible uh, for biking. So my wife and I go to the different trails that are around uh, the state. Just buy a state pass, $25, that's nothing. And then you just ride on these trails all over the place. There's all kinds of rails to trails in uh, this uh, state. So here's uh, one of them, my wife and I, are. this is the Elroy Sparta Trail. This is north of here, like 100 miles or so. And this that, <laughs> that tunnel behind us is 140, made in the 1880s, 140 years ago, can you believe that? And then they turn the railroad into a trail and like you ride on this thing and it's like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, when we ride on these trails, we feel like we're doing something wrong. Like we're all by ourselves and it's the so, Wisconsin, it's a beautiful state. And we just enjoy these trails so much. When my wife and I were riding uh, on this trail, uh, we'd gone maybe, uh, oh, maybe 15 miles or so from uh, Sparta and uh, my wife started to say to me, she said, you know, um, we need to stop here. And I said, okay. So there was a little bench there. So we stopped. And she said, you know, I'm not feeling good. And I said, whoa, let's just sit down for a minute. And so she sat down and I'm thinking, all right, everything okay. And so I just kind of went through the basics. And I said, hey, have you been drinking water? She goes, oh, I haven't been drinking water. I said, well, honey, we just rode 15 miles. So, I mean, you, know, you got water on your bike. You need to, oh, yeah, she's, she's done this a lot. She goes, oh, my gosh. She goes, I just got distracted because of all the beauty around here. And I love being with my husband. She didn't say that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we wish. She, she didn't say that. And she, she just got distracted. So uh, we pull out the water bottle. So we always have water bottles. She goes, another one. Almost instantly, she started to feel better. 
almost instantly because she had become a little dehydrated. And once you get dehydrated, you just add some water and you're going like, okay, I feel better now. Really five minutes, we were back on the bikes, making our way to Elba. Our bodies need water. Doctors tell us that we need about eight glasses, eight eight ounce glasses of water a day. And that's not if you're riding a bike from Elroy to Sparta. We need water all the time. Our bodies are 60 to 75% water. If you lose 15% of that, you're dead. We need water to survive. Water empowers all of life. And most of us know that, and most of us stay hydrated like all the time. In fact, hey, show of hands, all sites, all venues, how many of you have coffee or water with you right now? Raise up your hand right now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there you go. So most of us know this. So like we need to stay hydrated all the time because water, man, empowers our lives. Some of you are thinking, this is stupid, Pastor Chris. I already know that. Why are you doing this thing with water? The reason I'm talking about water is because today is Holy Spirit Sunday. And when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, he used the metaphor of water. John 7, we read this. Whoever believes in me, Jesus says, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Water is a common metaphor for the Holy Spirit. Because just like water empowers all physical life, the Holy Spirit empowers all spiritual life. Today, that's what we're going to talk about, the Holy Spirit. And I'm excited about it. The reason we're doing this is we're going through a series called uh, Live uh, This Book. And for the last, um, you know, for, since September, we've been going through these seven different phrases. We are in the empowered church now, but the Holy Spirit has made this entire thing possible. The Holy Spirit is, in, is involved in creation of mankind and, and all, all things. The Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, we got no Bible. We, the Holy Spirit inspires every word of the Bible. The Holy Spirit is powerful through this entire thing. And without the Holy Spirit, God's mission cannot be accomplished. But for many of us, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not exactly sure. We know that he's important. And we say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We know he's a member of the Trinity, but we like don't know him that well. He's like the second cousin that comes to a wedding celebration. You know, you go to the wedding and you're sitting at the table and then you say to one of your close relatives, like your brother or sister, hey, who's that over there? Oh, that are, that's our great aunt's uh, son. You know, his name's Bob. See, I don't know Bob. Yeah, Bob lives in California. He just comes to the weddings and funerals. I said, well, who, he's your second cousin. Oh, I, I'm related to him. I guess I should know more about him. Yeah, get up and go meet Bob. 
The Holy Spirit's the second cousin of the Trinity. We know something about the Father and the Son, but like, what is the Holy Spirit about? So that's the first question. What is the Holy Spirit? Actually, it's the wrong question. It's not what, but who is the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is a person. So we see these male pronouns for him all the time. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing. He's not a force. He's someone that you can actually grieve. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He's a person, and he's someone that we can actually grieve. He's a member of the triune nature of God. Orthodox historic Christianity teaches that God is a trinity. So here's like a, a triangle that put together. Put this. Oh, let's go to Matthew 28 first to prove it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations in the name, one name, not S, but one name, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the Trinitarian formula that you see in the New Testament. So here is, this is, we believe in one God, one what, three who's, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Son. They're separate, different persons in the one Godhead. The Father is God, the Spirit is God, and the Son is God. There is no analogy in all of creation for our triune God, because our triune God is completely separate from all. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I keep telling you, it's like the most important verse in the Bible. So uh, he's completely separate. He's not like anything else in all creation. And that means that before anything was ever created, there is a relationship between the three persons of the triune God. That means the ultimate reality in the world is love. Because that has always, always, God is, is loving, but he is also love. He is love in and of himself. The ultimate reality is love because of the triune nature of God. I'm teaching too much on other things, and I got to get going. I could talk about this all day long. That relationship theologians call is perichoresis. It's the dance of the three persons of the Trinity. Very foundational to Christianity. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is that he, he glorifies the Son. That's his job, is to glorify the Son. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in John 16. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me, 
by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. The Holy Spirit's job is not to bring glory to himself, but to bring glory to the Son. That is his role. Here's an illustration of what the Holy Spirit does. Take a look at this picture. What do you see? You can participate. What do you, what do you see? Capital. See the dome of the Capitol, right? No one said floodlights. No one said floodlights. But without the floodlights, you don't see the dome. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He casts his light, shines his light on Jesus. So you don't think about him. You don't see him. All you see is Jesus. You magnify Jesus. Why? Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's like the floodlight on to the sun. He doesn't want credit. Nobody who built the Capitol says, I hope everyone notices the floodlights. In fact, they hide the floodlights so you won't notice them. But without their work, you don't see the dome. That's one of the roles. Another role of the Holy Spirit is that he empowers God's people. And his work of empowerment has changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the Old Testament days, he just empowered a few people, kind of like here and there, kind of spotty. It was power, but it was not over all of God's people. So you read the Old Testament, and you read that Joseph was empowered to interpret James, Moses and Aaron were empowered to speak for Yahweh, Bezalel was empowered to design the tabernacle. It's a really cool phrase. So why does the tabernacle look like it does? Because the Holy Spirit inspired this guy. The judges were empowered to lead Israel. The prophets were empowered to speak for Yahweh. But only not the, the Spirit was not poured out on everybody. He was just kind of, how you guys doing? Do you follow what I'm, I'm thinking you don't get what I'm saying. Time for an illustration. <laughs> yeah, you should take those coats and cover yourself up right now. That's exactly right. Okay. Work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. <laughs> Did you think I wasn't going to do it? <laughs> Who thought I wasn't going to do it? That's the work. Yeah, I see you guys over there. <laughs> Pastor Chris is the fun pastor, all right? <laughs> Not like Charles or Matt, you know. Hey, so that's the, this is the work. You're going to remember that illustration, right? This is the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Not everybody got wet. Only a few. And it didn't last that long. It's just water, you guys. Get over it. So their wisdom in the Old Testament was their wisdom. Their power in the Old Testament was their power. God wants his people in the Old Testament to live out his character, to do his mission, which is multicultural. Go into every, all the nations. All the nations come by, see Israel, and they go, oh, wow. But they lived for themselves. They weren't empowered by the Spirit. What we see taking place uh, in the days of the kings, you guys, is just as far away from God as possible. 
Kings were sacrificing their own children in the temple. They were far away from obedience to God, far away. And God sees it. He disciplines them. He sends them into exile. And then through his prophets, he says, things are going to change. Because I'm going to send my spirit on my people and things will change. So then things did change. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, a young Hebrew girl became pregnant. And she gave birth to the king. And when the king started his ministry, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus spoke, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he told his disciples that they were going to also receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the passage in John 7 that we looked at. By this, he meant the Spirit. You're going to have, like, this power inside of you. It's going to happen. Jesus dies on a cross. He's risen from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's risen from the dead. He appears to his disciples, and he tells his disciples, don't go anywhere. Go to Jerusalem, and you stay in Jerusalem until you receive what? Power. They're in Jerusalem 50 days later on the day of Pentecost. And the power of the Holy Spirit descends upon them. And it's like spectacular. They're like in one room and it's like, a, like an earthquake. There's a loud rushing noise of wind. They have these little tongues of fire that are burning. And then all of them like do the mission like right away. They leave there and they can speak other languages. It's a multicultural mission that God is interested in. Pastor Adam Pinning will talk about that next week. Right off the get-go, it's like that. And they have been filled with the Spirit. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they're like, what's happening? And then by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter gets up. And then he starts this big speech. And the first part of his speech, he quotes from the Old Testament prophet Joel. And he says, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men, he's interpreting what you just saw is happening. I'm too excited now. I got to just calm down. I got to get a drink. Okay. He's saying it's happening. It's happening. And it happens to all believers when they place their faith in Christ. We get empowered by the spirit. And this is, it's, it's not like a little sprinkle. It's like, it's like we get poured on. We get poured on. It's like we're underneath a waterfall. We get empowered by the spirit of God. And it's, it, and it's just like, we're soaked in the spirit when we place our faith in Christ. How you guys doing? You see it? I thought I'd illustrate this uh, too. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to have uh, water at all sites and venues come down upon everyone. But facilities said, yeah, we don't pay attention to you anymore. We're not going to do that. So I thought, okay, um, we'll just get one person. So I got a volunteer, and his name's Oliver. Oliver, come on out. <laughs> Oliver. <laughs> yeah. 
Oliver's our stagehand, and uh, Oliver's been working as a stagehand for about two years, and actually today is his last Sunday helping us as a stagehand. Let's hear it for Oliver. Yeah, and, and buddy, this is your reward for working. Okay, are you ready? Okay, here we go. And sorry, you might get a little wet right here. All right, here we go. Uh, how underwhelming is that right there? Okay, let's hear it for Oliver. We're going to actually, in the second service, we're going to douse him, actually, with the real thing. Here's the contrast. In the Old Testament, it was like this. It was, it was like this, like that. In the New Testament, it's like this. We're all soaked. We get soaked. Water empowers all life. That's why space probes are looking for water, you guys. You find water, you find life. The Holy Spirit empowers all spiritual life. There is no spiritual life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we place our faith in Christ and him alone for our salvation, we, it's like we, we're, like, we're like baptized like by the Spirit, with the Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, for we are all baptized by one Spirit, So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given one spirit to drink. See the liquid metaphors here? Shake your head if you say it. Liquid metaphors? This word, baptize, is, uh, is this word. The Greek word is baptizo. It's, uh, the English teachers were like this. It's an onomatopoeia. So it's a word that uh, sounds like it is. So you take a cup and you turn the cup upside down. Just do this in your kitchen and you push it underwater and then you let a little air up and it makes a sound. Bop, bop. You push it all the way down. Bop, 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 bop. That's this word, baptizo. It's the idea of being sunk. It's the idea of being completely doused with water. So this Friday we have a baptism service and I hope you can come to it. So you'll see people being baptized like this. Watch this. You'll see people being baptized with water. What's true of all these people, when they come out of the water, they are all what? Wet. Yeah, that's great theology, actually. That's great theology. And it happens when we place our faith in Christ. We are baptized with, by the Holy Spirit. And it's like... (laughs) I guess a better thing would be, hey, while you're down there, drink some of that water or something like that. So it's the idea of just being, we're just saturated with water. Why? So that we can now live out the character of God because God is all over us. And now I can make decisions that are the kind of decisions God wants me to make. I can, I, I can have the courage to do the mission of God. Why? Because it's not by my power. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. I can do and say things that I normally wouldn't do and say. Somebody say amen. But here's the problem. A lot of us feel dehydrated. 
Maybe it's like what happened to my wife. We're just so distracted by all the things around us, and we forget to do what we should do. And we don't feel like we're empowered by the Spirit. We feel dry. You're listening to this talk, and you're going, and I don't feel powerful, Pastor Chris. I don't feel that. This is what I want to say to you. Welcome to Black Oak Church. <laughs> Actually, welcome to the Christian life. And don't make the mistake that you think the Christian life is like up and to the right all the time. The Christian life is a zigzag, you guys. It's a zigzag. And a lot of times, we don't feel empowered by the Holy Spirit. When I was putting this talk together, I asked my wife, hey, honey, what, when you think of my life, what times do you feel like I'm being empowered by the Spirit of God? There was this really long, awkward pause when I said that to her. I'm like, did you hear the question? Like, and then finally she looked at me and she goes, I'm not exactly sure when you're empowered by the Spirit, but I definitely know when you're not empowered by the Spirit. <laughs> and welcome to the club. Do I always feel empowered by the Holy Spirit? Heck no. Heck no. And neither did the people in the New Testament days. So Paul writes this to the people in Ephesus. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled uh, with the Spirit. Look at this contrast here. Don't get drunk on wine. When you are drunk on wine, you say and do things you normally wouldn't say and do. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. When you were filled with the Spirit of God, we say and do things we wouldn't normally say or do. Because it's God. It's God who's empowering. So what do we do to be filled with the Spirit more and more and more? Lots of things. I'm just going to give you three. Three things. First, ask him for help. Ask him for help. God, I need you right now. It's called praying. <laughs> and praying, we're supposed to pray all the time, you guys. Like there's a verse that says, pray without ceasing. And all it is is like this. That's it. I just need to pray right now. I pray right now. You pray fast. Most of my prayers are like fast prayers. When I was carrying that fake bucket out here, I was praying right then. Not that I wouldn't drop the bucket, but that I'm out ready to speak to a bunch of bunch of people that I wouldn't say and do something that was stupid. When I'm uh, talking to someone and I don't know who they are. I'm just praying, God, help me, to be, help me to be a pastor right now. You're working in a situation, and you know somebody at work is having a hard time. You walk by their desk. You just pray for them. You just pray right there. Boom. You don't stop next to their desk and get down on your hands and knees and do that. You just walk by and you pray. You just pray. You pray all of the time. We should pray like monks and live like fools, you guys. That's a book title by this guy named Stan. If you need something to happen to your prayer life to give it a boost, this is a great book. Next thing. We need to 
read the Bible. We need to see what he has to say. You guys, when we read the Bible, it's like, it's like power is coming to us. When we read the Bible, it's like, it's like getting a shower, which is like being refreshed by the word of God. I love what my uh, friend George Guthrie says, who teaches at Regent College. George says this, various surveys in different cultures over the past half century have determined that the number one predictor of a person's spiritual health is the regular practice of personal Bible reading. Nothing else comes close. Sometimes I talk to people and they're, they're experiencing dehydration. And I say to them, tell me about your time in the word of God. Yeah, Pastor Chris, yeah. Do you have any time? And no, I, I should. I know I should. I know I should. But I just don't. You know, here when I come to church, let me ask you something. <laughs> if the only time you're in the word is when you're watching what's happening on the platform, How's that working for you? You're probably dehydrated. You need a drink. You can sit down with the word of God for five minutes and actually go, oh my gosh, I know I'm supposed to be doing this. I actually feel better. It's like hydration. And it happens and it's powerful. And like carrying a water bottle around with you everywhere, we now, because of our devices, can carry the Bible around with us all the time. So here's the app that I use. It's the YouVersion app. If you don't have this downloaded to your device, you should do that. Like, stop listening to me right now and go to your app store and type in the Bible, and that will come up. About 9 million people have downloaded that thing. It comes to us in 2,000 translations. <laughs> so it's like... Everyone should have this app. I'm in this app all the time. Every breakfast, I eat the Bible, basically. That's, what, that's my time. I, I had bacon and eggs this morning, but I'm also eating the Bible. I'm going through this plan called Eat This Book. We started it in 2012. You can go to that version. You can go to plans, go eat this book. That's, the ver that's what I do. So I was four chapters of Ezra this morning and a song while I'm eating bacon and eggs. I'm listening to it constantly. I'm driving around, I'm listening to the Bible. Why? Because I need it. I need it. It hydrates us. It gives us power and it gives us energy. It's always available to us. But we sometimes are distracted. We don't take advantage of it. How you guys doing? You know, I know I'm kind of heavy on you guys right now, and I know I'm challenging, and I feel like I'm making you feel guilty, but deal with it. Because <laughs> I just know your lives. Why are you not in the Bible more than you are? Spending time scrolling through sites and social media? Stop that. Get the Bible app and feed yourself with the word of God. If you're depending upon the pastors to feed you, how's that working for you? You're mature enough to feed yourself. Get a water bottle, 
Don't get dehydrated. Feed yourself. There's like a million plans on that app. Pick one that you want. Last, worship with his people. Worship with his people. <laughs> like here. There's something about corporate worship that is so powerful. Paul basically just says, this is the way to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, he says this. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bam. <laughs> it's a command. So when, we're just going to do this in just a few minutes. All sides of video, we're going to stand and we're going to sing, and there is something that happens when that takes place. Now, let me speak to a couple of situations, elephant in the room kind of. Obviously, we're online. And uh, many of you are not with us right now because, uh, you know, you're, you live too far away. So uh, our online service, you know, goes, goes everywhere. So praise God for you guys. Awesome. Thank you. Many of you are not with us right now because someone's sick in your home and you've got to take care of them. That's great. Or maybe you're sick. You don't feel good today. Great. We don't want to get your sickness. Stay home. That's great. So awesome. But some of us, it's just the convenient thing. There's something, you guys, about in-person worship, about corporate worship that's powerful. I'm glad we're online. The Easter service was watched by over 2,000 people online. It's great. Praise God. But there's something about being in person. Some of us don't like to sing. That's be my wife. Music, meh, not so much. But there's something about being together with other believers in a space. You watch and hear the music. You watch the pastor. You pray together. Heck, you know, now that I'm in the emeritus world, my wife and I actually go to church together. Like, we hadn't done that for 37 years. We sit right back there. And when we're praying, I put my arm around her. And, I mean, I just want to cry thinking about it. It's powerful, you guys. The Holy Spirit is moving and working in these rooms, in these venues, as we give praise to God. So let's do that, like, like right now. Let's sing. I'm going to ask all of the worship people at all the sites and venues to just slip right up onto the platform right now. And we're about ready to sing a song that is about God and will help us focus on God. Here's the deal, you guys. The Spirit, if you've placed your faith in Christ, the Spirit is available to you, but you might get distracted by all the other things in life, and you may forget to hydrate yourself. It's up to you to choose to do that, and that will empower your life. It's a constant struggle for believers to be empowered. Paul knows that, so and when he writes to the uh, Ephesians, he writes uh, a prayer about this power. It's in Ephesians chapter 3, and I'll kind of say it to you now. Listen to how many times the word power 
occurs in his benediction. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. <laughs> now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. All God's people said.